All right. Um, are the Covenant kids singing that song during Covenant kids' time? Does anybody know? Nobody's doing it? Okay. All right. Well, you're learning it in here is what I'm saying. If you want to sing it, you know, that's the bumper song. It bumps the pray, worship team off and it bumps me on. That's, you're, you're supposed to be bumping out there. I've already been told by several people, don't dance, David. Don't dance. So uh, I'm trying to uh, hold back my moves. Dance man, right? It's not pretty. I, uh, I tell people, I said, the only time I dance is when I can hold my wife's hand uh, because you look at her instead of me when I'm, you know, doing it that way. It works, works a whole lot better. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. I want us to look this morning at that, at that phrase. Love is not provoked. Now, uh, not everybody is addicted to alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, food, sex. You can go down the list of addictions. But it is rare to find somebody who has not struggled with anger, with being provoked. I'm, I'm a, getting a little angry now at the ringing, you know, in this microphone. Uh, we get provoked from time to time. There's all sorts of things that uh, can provoke us, push us to anger. Um, millions of wives tell the story every year of angry husbands who have abused them. Children tell us stories of abusive parents because they have become angry. One half of all the murders every year occur by someone who knows their victim by name. It's usually a family member or a relative of some sort who has become angry and have become provoked and have not controlled their anger. So anger is a serious issue in our society and around us. We see it in places you shouldn't see it. You see it in Little League games. You see it in the grocery store line. You see it when you're driving your car. Just, just last week, I, my window's up. The window of the man next to me is up. We're three cars deep. The light turns, and the guy beside me, you know, I'm just listening to the radio. It's like, whoa, lady, put down your phone. The light is green. You know, I could hear him just screaming, and I think he, the, the lady three cars up heard him too. I mean, and she moved. I said, road rage, just anger. I thought, how fun it would be to be married to, not me, but some lady, be married to that man. Uh, or that he's a father to somebody. I said, man, control your anger. Give her three seconds. A lot of times we are so easily provoked. Christians are different, right? Christians are different, right? Because we are filled with the love of God. And that's what this passage is teaching us. 1 Corinthians 13. It began with Paul saying, there's a better way. I'm going to show you how to live Christianly. I'm going to show you the power of God's love. So being filled with God's love, we're loving others in a way that is not provoked to anger. Now, as you look up this word provoke, it's only found one other place in the entire Bible. So 
Uh, but I think that one other place gives us pretty good understanding of what's going on. Let me share it with you. Acts 17, verse 16. Here we have the Apostle Paul. He's um, looking through the city and he talks about being provoked. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now while, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked. There he is. His spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So you just can imagine Paul going through the city and he, he notices these statutes, these idols that people have placed as monuments to their worship and his heart begins to burn and he begins to get hot. That's, that's what the word is about. Burning anger. But Paul's anger is directed at something very unrighteous, ungodly. He's watching as people are worshiping idols, meaning they are ignoring and de uh, turning away from the true God to worship something false. And that upsets him. That kind of thing should upset us as well. Depending on your translation in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, if you've got New American Standard, uh, it says love is not provoked. If you've got the New International Version, it says love is not easily angered. King James, love is not easily provoked. So they've inserted, those two translations have inserted the word easily to try to give some understanding that the anger that's being described there is not an absence of anger, but really an unrighteous anger. And you pick that up in Acts from Paul. Paul had a righteous anger. It was right for him to be provoked. So 1 Corinthians 13.5 is implying that love is not unrighteously provoked. or It doesn't move into an anger that's unrighteous. Or that's inappropriate. It's hard to say that, but it's, it's easier to, to explain it. But that's what we're talking about. That when we get angry, we don't do so unrighteously. It's not the absence of anger that God's going for here, but it's the right use of anger. So what is the right use of anger? The, the way to get at that is to think through, when does God get angry? We know God gets angry angry. God has wrath. But His anger is always appropriate anger. So if we could learn when God gets angry, how He gets angry, and you then transform our hearts and beings in such a way that we get angry the way God gets angry, then we'll fulfill 1 Corinthians 13.5 and have a love that's not provoked unto unrighteous anger. So Counselors will tell you, you know, if you've got an anger problem, you go to a counselor for, for anger. Many of them will say, well, what you've got to do is learn how to control your behavior uh, in certain circumstances. There's triggers to your uh, behavior, so let's, let's control the triggers. Let's control the environment. Let's control the circumstances. That's hard to do. Far better is to be transformed in heart, to be transformed in your mind by the Spirit of God so that you begin to take on the characteristic of God. And you're not easily angered. You're not angered uh, in a manner that is unrighteous. 
So let's look at the character of God. Let's be asking God, transform me. Renew my mind so that I will not allow myself to get angry outside of the character of God. First of all, God's character as it comes to anger. God's anger is a sanctified, a righteous, a holy anger. Illustrate it for you through Ephesians 4.26. Great verse that makes it clear God is not eliminating anger out of our emotion, emotional arsenal. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 26 commands, Be angry, and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. So here's a command to get angry. Be angry, and yet do not sin, which means you can be angry righteously. What God is wanting us not to do is be unrighteously angry. God is never unrighteous in His anger. When He's angry, it's right for Him to be so. It's a, it's a just anger. And that's the kind of anger we need to develop. A just and righteous anger, not an unrighteous anger. Look at Psalm. Take you through some examples of God's anger. Psalm 2, verse 11. Psalm 2, verse 11 and 12 says, Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son. Literally, that's kiss the Son. That He not become angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So there we see it would be right for God to get angry. It would be right for God to pour out His wrath if we fail to do Him homage, kiss the Son. If we fail to worship, if we fail to worship with reverence, if we fail to exalt Him. See, these are things He is due. He's our Creator you know, as we were singing that song, uh, Lord, it's, it's your breath in my lungs. So I, I, you know, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, we so take for granted our breath. If we had all just at that, just before we sang that song, if we had just, you know, been shipwrecked and we were going down for the last time and, you know, water was filling up our lungs. If we were that desperate, we realized, oh, finally, I got air. Praise God. I mean, but every day should be like that. He's giving us air. We, we don't manufacture our own air. God is giving us life and breath. And God says, you're to be using that to praise me. If you're doing so, I'm great with that. If you're not doing so, I'm starting to get provoked. Righteously provoked. Because I'm being ignored as God. I'm being ignored as your creator, your sustainer, your defender, your maker, your redeemer. He says, it's commanded that we worship God, lest he be angry. Um, look at um, another passage. You begin to see a righteous anger there. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Mark 3. 
Verse 5, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. So here comes a man into church. He's got a withered hand. Pharisees say, well, you can't help that guy out. It's the Sabbath day. Jesus starts getting angry. You want to restrict the mercy of God? That makes him angry. He says, with anger in his heart, you know, he starts looking at these Pharisees. I can't believe that would be your response to not show mercy to a hurting man on the Sabbath day. Those are the kind of things, he has a righteous anger that, that grieve God, not worshiping, not demonstrating mercy. Um, look over same book, chapter 10, verse 14. Here, uh, Jesus and his disciples are gathered. He's teaching and children start coming and you know the story they start restricting the children as a result verse 14 but when Jesus saw this he was indignant indignant is a word that means uh, just anger you're you're angry at an injustice that's being done he was indignant and he said to them permit the children to come to me do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these are you going to keep the good news away from children? Really? You, you're going to not let the children touch me? Really? He becomes angry. It's a righteous anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. Begin to see what is God angry at. Uh, look over at John 2. Another great passage dealing with worship. John 2. I think that's the right one. Let's see. 15 through 17. And he made a scourge of cords, and he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me I mean Jesus was getting so hot so angry he's whipping folks whipping the whole room into shape so to speak and the disciples you know that I would be like them kind of cowered back saying whoa whoa stay out of his way and they remember as they're kind of retreating this is right this is righteous anger because he is consumed with the worship of God that is supposed to take place in the house of God. Because he's so consumed with it, he's right to be angry. And they understood that. So now I'll go back and ask the question, are we angry rightly? Are we angry at the things God gets angry at? You can make it real general. God gets angry at sin. Are we angry? 
Do we, do we, does our, do our hearts burn when we sin to the place where we repent quickly? Do we get angry when we see sin in our society? Does it start to really bother us? Now, I hope some of you have been really bothered and sad by the intrusion of our government to some of our sister churches in California when they were seeking to close down and in Nevada and in Colorado. You read these stories on the news of closing down churches and my anger begins to burn. No, keep the church open. You don't close down the worship of God. See, that's the kind of way God would get angry. And we need to learn how to get angry. Don't kill that emotion at all. Heat it up. But heat it up towards the right stuff. You don't see God getting angry at little petty stuff that sometimes control our lives. So let me move on. God's anger is a sanctified. It's a righteous. It's a holy anger. Second, I want you to see God's anger is a slow anger. It's a slow anger. It's not impulsive. Um, Look at Exodus 34, verse 6. Exodus 34, 6. Very explicit reference. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed... The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. What a great characteristic of our God. God never breaks out in an outburst, uncontrollable anger. It's he's slow which means he's thoughtful, which means he's reflective, which means when he gets angry, it's time to be angry. He's been slow about it. He's thought it through. Everything God does is done decently and in order. Again, let's evaluate our anger. Can we be transformed and say, you know, people tell me to count to 10, count to 100, whatever. The characteristic is be slow, be thoughtful, be thinking about why and what is bringing up this this anger. God is slow. He's not impulsive. Um, He's not emotionally off the handle. Number three, God's anger is very specific, meaning it's never misdirected. When God gets angry, He has a specific target to receive his anger and his wrath. It's not just indiscriminate. It's not accidental. Uh, Look at Psalm 7, verse 11. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. Why don't you see that verse? Because how often does God get angry? How often does God use this emotion? Every day. Why? God sees sin every day. Now, with that understanding, it's still sanctified. It's still holy. It's still slow. It's still not misdirected when God gets angry. Look at Psalm 50, verse 6. 
Psalm 50. I love this passage. Here's the, the gospel in the, uh, or, or part of it, uh, in, in the New Testament. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 6, In the heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. Uh, that wasn't a passage I want. It's a great passage. He's, he is the judge. He's a righteous judge. Uh, let's try Psalm 79. Psalm, there it is. Psalm 79. Um, yeah, verse 5. Here's this gospel passage I wanted us to think about. Psalm 79, beginning at verse 5. How long, O Lord? Will you be angry forever? And it's a rhetorical question, really. How long will you be angry? Well, we've read, he's angry every day. Well, how long? Forever? And the answer is, no. Oh, this good news. There's hope if God's anger, though it's daily, is not forever. Will your jealousy burn like fire? Again, this, this passion of God for what is rightfully his. And it goes on. Poor out your wrath upon the nations which do not know you. Start seeing the target. God's anger is going to come towards those who don't know Him, even to nations. And upon the kingdoms which do not call on your name, those who are not worshiping God, are deserve, those who are sinners are deserving of God's anger and His wrath on a daily basis. Verse 7, For they have devoured Jacob, um, and laid waste his habitation. In other words, they've hurt the church. You want to really make God angry? Go after his bride. Start doing something that, that's passionately against God's church. It says, will you be angry? These are the people who are going to get this anger of God. Verse uh, eight, do not remember the iniquities of our forefathers. He, the psalmist turns it back towards believers himself against us. Don't get angry just because of my dad, my mom. Let your compassion come quickly to meet us. He's crying out for compassion, for mercy. For we were brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name and deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Because of the name of Jesus, let everyone who confesses this name, for there is salvation in no other name but in Jesus Christ. He says, Lord, we are the ones calling upon your name. Have mercy. Save us from the wrath, from the anger that is rightfully due us. So awesome. I'll show it to you more in just a minute. But to think that God has taken his anger and he has specifically directed it at every sinner. And then yet there are some sinners who make their habitation in the church of God. Who have been united to the name of God, even to Christ. And that wrath is redirected. It's never misdirected. It's redirected to Christ. And Christ takes the wrath that was due us. That we might go free. And be saved. Again, just and righteous anger. Holy. Slow. Specific. Sincere. By sincere, I mean it's passionate. 
It is intense. Um, you will never find God to be somebody that you have to wonder about. You know, is, is he mad? Have you had somebody kind of stomp out of the room and they didn't say anything and the rest of you in the room are sitting there, uh, is she mad? Is he mad? You know, you're wondering, you know, why did they stomp out of the room? You don't ever have to wonder about God. When he's angry, it's sincere, it's passionate, it's intense. He's not trying to hide this from anybody. He lets us know. His anger is intense anger. Uh, Hebrews 10, I mean 12, 29. I won't turn there because it's just a phrase I want you to grab. It says, to recognize our God is a consuming fire. That's the phrase. Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. When you, if we get to experience like the, the rich man and, uh, or, or Lazarus in Luke 16 goes to heaven and the rich man goes to hell and there's this big chasm between and, and you, you have this illustration of the Lazarus who's in heaven being able to look but not cross this chasm and this man in hell sees and has felt the agony, the wrath of God. and says this torment is so great could you just send somebody with a drop of water? It's intense. It's passionate. You're not going to die, go to hell and say, well, is God mad? It's like, duh. No. It will be intense. It will be passionate. It will be clear. God has already made his um, anger clearly known. He's not playing around. Number five, the good news I wanted to get to a minute ago is that it's short. The redeeming work of Christ. Look at Isaiah 53. Verse 5. Isaiah 53, verse 5. The whole passage, Isaiah 53, is just an awesome passage on Christ. Standing in our place. The great doctrine of substitution, substitutionary atonement. Um, but look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, But he was pierced, speaking of Christ, was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. By his scourging, by his stripes, by his sacrifice on the cross, we are spared the wrath of God. There's no healing outside of Christ. Christ is removing that wrath that we rightly deserve. One other passage look uh, on this. Look at Micah chapter 7. One of the minor prophets uh, after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, then Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah chapter 7. Verse 18. Love this. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession. And he does not retain his anger forever. Because he delights in unchanging love. How awesome is that? Does not retain his anger forever. But he passes over us. This meal is a symbol of 
us being passed over, everyone who takes of this bread and drinks of this cup, you are in Christ and passed over from the wrath of God. What a blessing. What glory. Um, marvel at God's anger. So that you can marvel at how controlled it is. It's never out of control. It's never inappropriate. God's love is not provoked. It's a righteous anger. That's the kind of anger we need. We need to be more like God. Never angry except when sin is right. And we are a righteous judge in that situation. Um, a justifiable response is always God's anger. Do we need control? You say, yeah, but I can't get it. Yes, you can. Don't, don't buy the lie that you can't control your anger. All of us probably have had this experience. You're fighting with somebody in your household, okay? It could be your spouse, it could be your parents, it could be your siblings. You're fighting and the doorbell rings. What happens? You immediately quit fighting. You going to get that? Somebody gets the doorbell. And for, for whatever moment, that anger is controlled. How do we do that? We shut down that emotion to deal with the person at the door who was going to witness the fight. We don't want them to witness the fight. So we stop the fight for a brief moment, answer the door, deal with that, close the door, then go back to fighting. This anger that we have can be controlled to a righteous anger, not just unrighteous stuff. How do you do it? I give you five things. First of all, you've got to realize the problem is not anger. Realize anger is not necessarily sinful. I've already shared that passage. Hebrews 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. So you don't have to repent of the emotion. You need to repent of the wrong use of that emotion begins to get you on the path. I've got a problem. I, there's something I need to do. This didn't just happen. I got hot. I got bothered. I got angry. Was it for the right things? If not, then I need to repent of all of it. If it was for out of control, let's start dealing with that. Number two, then uh, once you do that, relax and let anger develop reflectively. It's like God. We want it to be a slow anger. We want our anger to only come out after we've thought about it. We've reflected on the right use of it. Look at James chapter 1, verse 20. Thinking about uh, reflective, slow anger. James chapter 1, verse 20. says, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Again, he's talking about inappropriate anger. When we get angry, we are not being righteous unless we do it God's way. Now go back one verse and you see God's way. Verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be, gives you three things, must be quick to hear, must be slow to speak, and then anger. Slow to anger. So in any situation that's starting to bother you, the command here is, number one, get quick to listen. Start listening to what's going on. Is someone expressing sin, or are they just expressing 
hurt, frustration, misunderstanding. Try to walk in somebody else's shoes a little bit. Listen carefully. Be slow to speak. In other words, you're not listening if you're just thinking about what you're going to say. No, really listen to what the other person is saying before you get hot and bothered. Understand the facts and then be slow to speak. You might want to ask some questions. You might want to inquire. You might want to know a little bit more before you get hot and bothered. That's the approach. And then after all of that is done, then you can move to anger and it achieves some purpose. If you don't do it that way, it's just an inappropriate, unrighteous anger, and it will never our unrighteous anger will never achieve the righteousness of God. That's his point. And he wants us to see that. We've got to let the anger build and be released in a slow, flat fashion. Um, anybody still do their own mechanics? Have you ever had your radiator boiling over and you've got to release the radiator cap? How do you do that? That's a lot of heat been burning up in that radiator. You get a, some, uh, something beside your bare hands or you'll burn yourself. You know, a, a glove, a rag or something, and you twist slowly. You don't just turn it off or boiling hot water comes out and radiator fluid and somebody's going to get hurt badly. And it's all because you, you just were too quick. Be slow at dealing with something that is of this nature. It's hot. It's boiling. Same should be the case with our anger. Relax. Let it develop. Be reflective. Let's think. Then, once you've figured it out, what's righteous, what's unrighteous, then move to repentance. Let's repent of the specific sins of anger that we have. Look at the list. Galatians 5 beginning at verse 19 and 20, and then I'll jump to verse 16. Galatians 5. Now the deeds of the flesh, here's the list, are evident. Everybody knows this. It's not like you have to prove this. This this is sin. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, Jealousy, outburst of anger, because that's the unrighteous anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. These are sins, since this is evident. We need to repent of this stuff. If this is coming out in our anger, we need to clearly repent. And then it can start to be controlled. Now go back to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out. Did you catch that? That whole list I just read. If you're walking by the Spirit, you will not carry out those deeds of the flesh. And I've had people come to me and say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And I said, okay, just a minute. Can, can I read a list to you? Yeah. And I said, you know, I know you. I know you're fooling around. That's immorality. It's impurity. It's, I know your, your addictions to sex, sensuality. I know you're not worshiping God. That's idolatry. I know you're fighting, strife, enmity, jealousy. I know you 
you, you just burst out into anger. You know, I, I go through the list. You said you're a Christian? I said, you're not. The people who are Christians are walking by the Spirit, and they do not carry out these things. This is the deeds of the flesh. This is the description of the non-Christian. These are the things the Christians are constantly repenting of because we're sick of them. They, they anger us. We repent of these things. Um, that's walking by the Spirit. We must know what it is to repent. We have the power because the Spirit is in us to turn away from these things. Uh, one other passage on that. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 8 through 10. Colossians 3 says, But now you also put them all aside. It's like you have the power in the Spirit to put these things aside. Anger, obviously the wrong kind. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with evil practices and you've put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So that's what I was talking about earlier. We are being renewed day by day. We are being transformed in our heart day by day by the power of the Spirit to lay aside these things that the world's angry about. We can lay them aside. We can get angry at the sin and love the sinner because we can put these things aside in the power of His Spirit. And that begins when we repent, when we say, this is a sin, what I'm doing here. This is the way I'm thinking here, the way I'm feeling here, the things I'm lusting after here. This is a sin. And we go to God and say, God, that's what it is. I've thought about it. And I need to turn from it. And I need the filling and the power of your spirit to walk differently and to live differently. And when we do that, God fills us and gives us the power uh, to go forward into righteousness. If that's not enough for you, think about the consequences. God often gives us those that if we know the consequences, sometimes they scare us back into right activity. So consider the cost of anger. The basic price tag. Look at Proverbs. I want to just walk you through some quick passages. Proverbs 14, verse 17. This should be enough to get us all to uh, just be done with anger. It is different for the believer. Proverbs 14, verse 17. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. A man of evil devices is hated. Really? That's the life you want? If you're going to keep up with anger, you're going to act foolishly. You're going to be hated for evil devices. Look at verse 29, same passage. He who is slow to anger, again, you begin to see a reflective righteous anger. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. It's just going to happen when you don't stop and think about God's ways. Look at chapter 15, verse 18. Chapter 15, verse 18. But uh, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Hot-tempered man, you're not doing anything to cool anything down. You're just making it worse and worse through anger. Uh, chapter 29, verse 22. Chapter 29, verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife, 
and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Uh, it's not a man we want to be. It's not a man we want to associate. Uh, it becomes... Uh, uh, that kind of unrighteous anger, it's, it's unfit for the church, it's unfit for society as you begin to see it. Uh, I'll give you a couple verses on that. Unfit for the church. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. Let me read that. 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. It's only if you're uh, using... Uh, God's law and his emotions lawfully is it good for the church. Verse 8 of chapter 2. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray lifting up holy hands. So what kind of hope would be a holy hand? A hand without wrath and dissension as it goes on to say. Lift up holy hands and pray without wrath and dissension. In other words, don't pray with wrath and dissension. That's that's not going to make, cut it. I'm not listening to that prayer. Holy hands. Hands not filled with wrath and dissension. Um, and then for society, Proverbs 22, verses 24 uh, through 25, talks about just anger in society. Proverbs 22, 24, Do not associate with a man given to anger. Or go with a hot-tempered man. Think about this. If you go on one of these supposedly righteous, peaceful protests. Think about who you're associating with. Because I'm not saying you can't do a righteous, peaceful protest. But you don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with someone who is given to anger. Hot-tempered man. Or you will learn, verse 25, his ways and find a snare for yourself. Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debts. It goes on. It just, um, it's just not going to be good. We've got to consider the cost of unrighteous anger so that we get rid of it. It will change the way you watch TV. It will change what you watch on the Internet. Why would you want to associate yourself, even through the tube or the screen with someone who's hot-tempered. It just amazes me the advertisements for new shows are typically filled with somebody fighting somebody or yelling at somebody or getting back at somebody and it's like, and that's supposed to be attractive? I'm thinking, no, that's unrighteous anger. That doesn't attract me at all, so I don't, I don't hit record for that one. Um, we begin to see, because there's a cost to pay when I associate myself with that hot-tempered man. I become like that. I let my guard down. I quit being holy, righteous anger. I quit having slow anger, reflective anger, thoughtful anger. I quit getting angry at sin. I get angry at my own people not letting me be selfish. So much happens when we don't think through the price tag for anger. And then last, we need to replace our anger. So we don't just stop being unrighteously anger, angry, but replace it with kind thoughts and words and deeds. You remember that list in Galatians 5? There's also a, a good list, not just the bad one. Uh, let me read that one. Galatians 5. I read the list of sins, but how about the fruit of the Spirit? Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace 
and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Think about which one of those things I can replace this hot, unrighteous anger I have. So if I'm angry at someone, God, I know you want me to turn from that. So I'm going to turn. I'm going to say that's sin. It's wrong. Fill me with your spirit, but also fill me with a kindness, with gentleness, with self-control, with love, with peace, with patience. See, the list goes on. God gives us these things that replace. Come up with kind words, you can say, instead of hot words or uncontrolled words. And then one last passage, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. As leaders of your families, those of you out there who are heads and leaders, when you see unrighteous anger happening in your home, say, stop, whoa, whoa, stop. We're not going to do that here. That's going to be put away. Come to this verse. We're going we're gonna to stop right now the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the clamor, the slander. Let's come up with ways to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Because we are those who have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. The love in this household, the love out of this heart is not going to be provoked. You're going to begin to see God's love in Christ is different. If you don't know that love, wow, that's what we want for you. It's only found in Christ. Receive Christ. You must receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you might know a love that's kind, tender, forgiving, peaceful, that's absent of this unrighteous anger that's so prevalent in our day. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would have mercy upon us. We're sinners. We... We talk about other people's addictions and there are people in this room who are practicing anger like they are addicted. Lord, we've all been there at times and we get hot and bothered and find it hard to turn loose. Have mercy, oh God. Be slow to anger. Be slow, oh God. Be abounding in loving kindness and compassion. We are in need. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us proceed forth from this place with fresh filling from your spirit and determination to turn from unrighteous anger and to begin loving those around us 
with the love of Christ. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.